Hello and welcome to the second ever episode of the Sunshine State Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Topher Adams, and it was another very active week in the sport of lacrosse, uh, headlined by the PLL Collegiate Draft. So the PLL Collegiate Draft, as we talked about last week, two-round draft, very heavily altered by the NCAA's eligibility rule following coronavirus pandemic. Um, So much smaller player pool, much, I mean, these are all good players, but let's be honest, much worse player pool than we originally anticipated. But 14 players got drafted into the PLL, and let's see who we're working with, what teams got what, and what we can look forward to. So the number one pick the Archers got via the first overall pick tournament playoff bracket last year. I don't remember the exact name of that consolation bracket from the PLL postseason last year. But regardless, the Archers won that pick. Um, Last year, they also had the number one pick. They took Pat Spencer. Uh, Unfortunately for the Archers and really the cross world as a whole, it does seem that Pat Spencer's lacrosse life is over, at least as a player. He... Uh, obviously, after his senior season at Loyola, when he won the Toraton, drafted into both the MLL and PLL. However, he decided to transfer to Northwestern to play basketball. And after a pretty solid season, he averaged something like 13 points a game, despite not playing high-level college basketball at all. He hadn't played. He played summer ball, but like he hadn't played organized, um, like school, if you will, ball since high school. But he's already averaged like 13 points in the Big Ten, so pretty good. So he's going to pursue some kind of professional basketball career, be it in the G League, uh, benches of the NBA, Europe. But he's going to, whatever it turns out to be for Pat Spencer, he's going to pursue basketball, not lacrosse. So all the luck to Pat Spencer. I'm sure the whole lacrosse world will be following him in his basketball journey. But what that does leave is a whole in the Archers' plans. So while they originally wanted to slot Pat Spencer behind the cage as their lead quarterback at X, that is no longer an option. They also lost Christian Cuccinello, who was kind of their guy who they decided to put in there late last season. Uh, he lost him him to the Water Dogs. So that first overall pick, they filled that void with Grant Amet from Penn State, which was by far the easiest pick to make in the draft. There was that that void to fill, that third attackman, that creative player, that playmaker, that dynamic assist guy, that great passer, great dodger. He's really versatile and just great, great player, especially a great feeder. Um, uh, Penn State, he's 189 assists. Um, he's the all-time leading scorer in the Big Ten at Penn State, three-time All-American. Record 96 assists in 2019, his last full season of college lacrosse. So, I mean, they're getting a star. They're getting a superstar. Everyone in the world called it that the Archers were going to take Amen once they once TD decided to go back to Yale. Uh, there was no, there was not even any competition. But even if this was a full draft class, Amen to the Archers was probably still going to happen, regardless. Um. So yeah, that's. 
that's cake. And then after that, I thought it was going to get a little weirder. Um, but it did. Top two players in this draft were Grant Amet and Brian Costabile, and the top two picks were Grant Amet and Brian Costabile. So Brian Costabile from Notre Dame goes to Atlas at number two. Um, he's very much in the mold of those Atlas midfielders. Uh, most people kind of see him as a Connor Busick 2.0 player. Very similar build to Busick, very similar game to Busick. Also, you can make the same comparisons to Rabel, Romar Dennis, who's also on the Atlas. He's kind of mad. He's very big, very strong, distant shooting, downhill players. They're more than that, but that's kind of their mold. Um, so Cospiel is another one of those guys. I didn't really see the fit because I didn't see the need there. When you have Rabel and you have Busick and you have Romar Dennis, I don't see the need for another downhill dodging, uh, outside threat, physical offensive midfielder. But, you know, it makes sense. I mean, in their dream scenario, you have Rabel, Busick, and Costabile in your midfield. And how do you defend that when you also have three all-world attackmen in Law, Pinnell, and Brown? I just don't see how you can possibly do that. I don't see. Where do you defend that? I mean... That's going to create matchup nightmares. Cosby is probably going to be on short stack almost every single possession. And he scored 42 goals in 2019, which is the most ever in Notre Dame for a midfielder. So that's just matchup nightmares. And then also a lot of rumors that Busick won't play this summer. And you think he doesn't play this summer. He's the current interim head coach at Cornell. He's a candidate to be the permanent head coach at Cornell. You wonder how many years does Busick even have left? How many years does Rabel have left playing? So Costabile has some immediate need as either kind of an extra piece, complementary piece, but also that long-term, he, he'll fill that long-term contribution void for Atlas and keep that midfield presence even once Busick moves on to his coaching career or Rabel moves on because he's, what, 33, 34 now? So it's going to happen sooner rather than later. So those picks, while Cospiel to me was a little weird, pretty pretty simple, best available players. And really went one, two, three, who most people thought were best available. So Ament, Cospiel, and then third best player in the draft, people thought, who, who could it be? Latak, Michael Krause from Virginia, and Nick Mellon from Syracuse. And the Water Dogs went with Michael Krause, but... This is where we get the hot drama, interesting news from this draft. So this is the one weird thing about lacrosse, professional lacrosse right now, is the MLL still exists. And that means weird conflicts with players and where they're going. So this is very much like the NFL and the AFL, the NBA and the ABA, to a much lesser extent, the USFL and the NFL. Or maybe that's more apropos, honestly. If you think of like Jim Kelly going to USFL because he didn't want to play in Buffalo. I mean, that's that's kind of what this is like. So Kraus gets drafted third overall to the Water Dogs, but he also gets drafted second overall to the Connecticut Hammerheads. I think I got that team name right. And the Hammerheads, I mean, he's probably going to get more game time, assuming they play at all, question mark. And I hear he has a job lined up in Connecticut, so that makes more sense for him. So it's just... The MLL made more sense for him. And because of that, the Water Dogs kind of lose a pick, unfortunately. Had he played, he probably would have been a pretty good signing. Good draft pick. 
100 goals, 100 assists throughout his career at Syria, or excuse me, Virginia. Really good player, but it just wasn't to be, unfortunately, at least not right now, for Michael Krause in the PLL. Similarly, Nick Mellon, another one of those top guys in most people's eyes uh, from Syracuse. He also went to the MLL. He went to the Boston Cannons, uh, one of the storied franchises in Major League Lacrosse. So, I mean, when I was watching the draft, I was really confused. It's like, wait, wasn't Mellon supposed to be one of these top three, top four guys? Uh, so why wouldn't they draft him? I mean, uh, but apparently he also, for him, just made more sense right now to go to the MLL. Maybe someday we'll see him in the PLL. Probably someday, assuming assuming the PLL can keep, keep what it's doing. But... Right now, no Nick Mellon, no Michael Krause in the PLL, unfortunately. Um, fourth overall, Chrome, we knew they had to go defense. Maybe they would have gone goalie, but they had to go some kind of defensive position. Uh, last year's defense was suspect at best. Uh, Chris Sabia, they lost in the expansion draft. Fletcher retired, so there's holes to fill. They went with our Army captain, uh, Tom Rigney. Um Statistically, doesn't jump off the page, but if he's the guy who's a captain at Army, really any guy from a service academy, you go, you're going to get discipline, you're going to get toughness. And if you have a guy who's a captain at a, at a service academy, you know that you also have an incredible leader on your hands. So assuming he plays for the Chrome, which with professional cross, you never really know. But assuming he plays for the Chrome, assuming he can play for a while with the Chrome, that's, that seems like a very high-value pick. Very, very promising pickup. A talented guy. Um, uh, he doesn't have the best stats, as I said, but a talented guy, a leader, a tough guy, just perfect guy, especially when you're rebuilding a culture to have those high-character, high-toughness guys. Uh, chaos added to their just mountains of attack reserves with Yale's Matt Gaudet. From what I can tell... He seems committed to the PLL, so unlike the Water Dogs, they actually get their attack when they drafted. Pure finisher. I mean, he had four assists from what I could find in his statistics, but he had 69 goals. So he's a guy who put the ball in the back of the net, but he's not going to give you much as a playmaker. But when you have Connor Fields, do you really need that much from your other attackman playmaking? Not really. You can long-term replacement for Miles Thompson or just if Miles Thompson gets hurt or rotated Miles Thompson, he kind of fill that exact same spot on the field. So seems like a good value pickup. Uh, one of the better guys, if you look at the big board and what all the analysts were saying, one of the better players in this draft. So it was a very solid addition by Chaos. And then the Redwoods got lucky. Um, everyone going into it said the Redwoods need a face-off specialist. TD Erlin is not in the draft, but uh, Marist's Peyton Smith was. The Water Dogs did not go with another face-off specialist, so he fell right to the Redwoods. So they get a 50, uh, close to 60% face-off guy in college. Um, not the most statistically dominant. He's not Trevor Baptiste or TD Erlin, but very solid player. Um, stats look good. Greg Renlin speaks very highly of him. All those face-off academy guys, you know, who you're getting... And then that built-in connection with Greg, who has a close ties with the Redwoods. Um, yeah, and it's not like they needed a, a 25 face-offs a game guy with him and 
uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but Puskalajian. Sorry, lacrosse purists. Um, they got two pretty high-quality face-up guys. They can do a one-two punch. Uh, maybe it's something like the Chrome had last year where Simino and Farrell kind of split, especially early in the season. So especially in this tournament setting, that's a big advantage. If you think of like as good as Trevor Baptiste is, who's his spell guy, he doesn't really have one. So having two very competent, very strong face-off guys, and especially in a tournament setting, that's going to just keep both those guys' stamina fresh. It's going to give you advantages at the X. So very good pickup for the Redwoods. Um, Whip Snakes, last pick of the first round, drafted Sean New out of Holy Cross. Kind of a tough deep hole. Uh, deep holes were at a premium in this draft. Almost every pick seemingly was a deep hole. Um, his stats early in 2020 seem to be on a very high pace. Um, 17 ground balls, 11 cause turnovers. Uh, seems like a solid acquisition. Uh, I don't really know defensively how much the whip snakes really needed. They didn't lose any of their defenders um, from the expansion draft. So I don't know how important that really was, but it's a nice prospect to have a nice um, insurance, especially in a tournament. You want to have depth. If someone gets hurt, you don't want to have to trot out like someone who's never played deep hole as your LSM. That's going to be just tragic. So having depth at premium positions, that was very, very important. So Sean knew very promising looking defender. I don't know how high if he or at all if he had been drafted in a full strength class, but I, I like him. Seems seems solid. Seems like a solid pickup for a team that doesn't need very much. So that was the first round of the collegiate draft. Um, a lot of solid looking players, guys who probably would have gotten drafted regardless. I don't know how many of them would have been first round picks. Probably just Ament, maybe Costabile, but. No, excuse me. Nevertheless, solid talent. Although it's very unfortunate that Kraus um, is kind of unfortunately now a wasted pick for the Water Dogs. But that's what happens when you have two competing leagues competing for a very small player pool. You're going to be a lot of crossover and it's decisions for these players. And unfortunately, this time for the PLL, they lost out. So the second round, it was not based on anything like the playoff bracket it was just pure record so the expansion water dogs went with first pick got excuse me delaware goalie matt deluca um uh water dogs pretty thin at uh goalie they only drafted one in the expansion draft uh charlie cipriano um they did not get dylan ward in the entry draft so as far as like, and then they did not get Jack Kelly in the expansion draft, so they don't have a big name goal, goalie. So that starting position is very much up for grabs. Um, it's hard to imagine kind of a fringe prospect like Matt DeLuca jumping in right away, but Timmy Troutner, he was a fringe prospect. So you never know with these guys. It's going to happen that one week of training camp, who's going to play better. So it's good for the Water Dogs to expand their options at goalie. Um, and it's always nice to have a mix of guys and having a guy like Matt DeLuca, who's like 6'5", 200 pounds. It's a nice change of pace from their other goalies, a nice big body in there. So it gives them just a couple different options. 
and Cage. Chrome drafted long stick midfielder Reese Eddy out of Boston. Um, not much to say there. A lot of ground balls. I looked at his stats. Very impressive. 71 ground balls, 2019. Pretty solid. Um, he's hopefully the heir apparent to Joel White, TBD. And again, just a lot of deep holes taken in this draft. Uh, Atlas drafted Aiden Hines out of Yale. Solid defender. Nothing too special about him. We'll see if he plays at all. Who knows? Uh, Archer drafted Jack Rapine of Hopkins. Same kind of deal with Hines. Solid defender. Depth at the deep hole. Will they see meaningful action? Hard to tell, but who knows? But we'll see. And then the most interesting pick of the second round, and to me the most interesting pick of the entire draft, the Chaos drafted attackman Jeff T out of Cornell. So if this if the coronavirus didn't happen, this draft went as scheduled, we have all the guys, Michael Sowers, JT Giles Harris, whatever. We have all these high-level players that we wanted to have, but circumstances prevented that. Then Jeff Teat still would have been a high, high draft pick. He's one of the top attackmen in college lacrosse, Toraton Award watch, uh, 104 goals, 137 assists in just a couple of seasons, 62 assists, 2018. Very high-level attackman in Jeff Teat. And the question with him is, what is he going to do this summer? There's no definite answer. We have a lot of guys, um, say Mac O'Keefe of Penn State. He officially said he's coming back next year. Michael Sowers said he's officially transferring to Duke next year. Uh, Grant Amen officially declared for the PLL draft. We have all these guys making definitive statements. But Jeff Teat, um, it's very unknown. You'll have one person say, oh, he's definitely going back to Cornell, or you'll have another person say, he's going, he's going pro right now. We just don't know. So if there was a team to take a flyer on one of these guys in that transition phase who don't know whether or not they're going to go back to school, playing the MLL, playing the PLL, if there was a team to take a risk, it's the chaos because they don't need like anything, really. But um, So worst-case scenario... There's just one less roster spot to worry about. Best case scenario, they get another starting caliber attackman, and it's the steal of the draft. If, if they get that right and Jeff T decides to play in the PLL this summer, that's the steal of the draft, without a doubt. Redwoods draft Chris Price uh, at a high point, another pole, more depth. Um, Brian Carolunas went to the Water Dogs. So maybe some depth behind depth behind Sexton at LSM. Maybe questionable whether or not he'll play at all. Really, the Redwoods were really deep defensively last year. They didn't lose very much. I know Landis, his situation doesn't look like he's going to play, but it's still much the same team. Still a lot of depth. So whether or not he'll be good enough or useful enough remains to be seen. And then Whip Snakes last pick of the draft. Uh, picked uh, short stick D midi uh, Matt Hubler out of Hopkins. We can just all laugh at the irony of the whip snakes who are like 90% Maryland or something crazy like that. Taking a Hopkins guy. Nice. Um, but that doesn't seem like the most necessary position. They have Warner and Bernhardt and I, I don't know how many minutes Hubler is really going to play as a two way midi for the whip snakes as a rookie, but eh, I mean, again, when, when, with how odd this draft pool is really just taking flyers for the most part. 
outside of Ament and outside of Costa Beal, there's not much in the way of guys you know are going to be good or you know are going to make instant impacts or hell, even guys you know are going to play in your league. So it's really, you just got to trust, if you're a fan of these teams, trust your scouting networks. And worst case scenario, you're rocking with basically the same team you had last year. Um, yeah. So that was the PLL Collegiate Draft. Two rounds. Very, I don't want to be mean to these players because they're very talented guys, but lower um, resumes of these players than drafts of years past. But talent is there to be found, and we got to trust these coaches to develop. Uh, a lot of young players from last year's draft didn't play much but are still in the league. So for a lot of those guys, it's going to be like a second rookie season. So it's not – it's 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 – it's good. Um, PLL draft was a very fun experience. It's it's very exciting seeing the PLL on NBC again, talking about the championship series, um, seeing these new names. The interview with Grant Amet really gets your blood pumping. It's just we're all so excited for July twenty fifth. It's unreal, and hopefully, fingers crossed, everything still goes well. Everyone remains safe, and we can have some amazing lacrosse, including lacrosse featuring these 13 sorry water dogs new rookies they all seem good to go very promising rookie class despite its lack of size there's also a bit of college lacrosse news this week um unfortunately not the best news if you're a fan of college lacrosse or the growth of the sport of lacrosse. Furman lacrosse um, has canceled their program. So they are very new to Division One, Kind of that growing footprint of Division One lacrosse in the south. Schools like Jacksonville, um, High Point. Furman's another one of those southern schools, few southern schools that play Division One lacrosse. But because of this pandemic and the massive financial toll it's taking really everywhere, especially in the world of sports. Um, lacrosse is one of the sports that's been cut at Furman. So looks like division one men's lacrosse is going to be one, at least one team shorter. Let's hope that it remains at just one team. Uh, heart goes out to all those players, all those coaches, everyone involved with that program who worked so hard to get to grow the sport of lacrosse in that region. It's, that's that's really tough. Like, could you imagine if a football program, like, remember when UAB a couple years ago, their program got shut down, how heartbreaking that was to see those players, uh, everything they worked for to become Division One college football players and just taken away because of situation outside of their control. It's just really, it's it's unfortunate to see, but that's part of this world. It's part of sports. It's part of life, and it's it sucks, but unfortunately, that's how it is. Uh, and also, in interesting, not bad or good news in college cross, former Maryland star Jared Bernhardt um, is not going going to continue his lacrosse career. He will not go back to Maryland. He will not join the PLL or MLL. He was actually transferring to Marist State, a Division II school, to play football next year so following that pat spencer train of giving up your eligibility and 
using that extra year to play a more traditional, if you will, sport. Um, in this case for him, it's football. So best of luck to Jared. I hope he dominates at Marist State and continues what Pat Spencer kind of showed is that lacrosse athletes are just as good, if not better, than anyone else. And it kind of legitimizes lacrosse and continues to break that uh, lazy frat boy stereotype that lacrosse is so often associated with. And guys like this, Bernhardt, Pat Spencer, show the non-lacrosse community how impressive and how incredible these athletes really are. Um, thank you for listening to the second ever episode of the Sunshine State Lacrosse Podcast. Uh, I apologize for how not perfect it was at times. Uh, it was a very interesting draft to look at. It's not a bunch of superstar names. Got to do some deeper cuts, and you know, it's a little, little different than it usually is. But um, thank you for listening. Uh, please follow Sunshine State Lacrosse. Uh, we have an Instagram. Uh, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. Um, recent video about Rob Pinnell with some audio from Mr. Pinnell himself. Uh, I recommend giving it a watch. Some fun stuff from Rob Pinnell. Uh, please listen to the other episode of our podcast. Um, we are now available on Spotify, so you can listen to us on Anchor or on Spotify. Uh, notifications about new podcast or videos will be found on our various social media. Uh, thank you everyone for listening again, and I hope you have a nice day or evening, depending on what time you are listening to this. Yeah.